go check that out. But if you really are into movies as much as I am, I've got a I've got a cool little podcast radio thing you guys can listen to, which um, it's called Reelin' and Dealin', R E E L I N, and Dealin', D E A L I N, and that's actually um, put on by my brother and his roommates, who um. They review movies that are uh, great, maybe not so great, and they kind of talk about it. They give fun facts, um, you know, just cover assortment of film topics and, you know, maybe give you stuff that you might not have heard before. check that out but if you really are into movies as much as i am good afternoon good evening and good night welcome to the first episode of reeling and dealing i along with my co-host here liam crowley are going to discuss with you a lot of various movies shootings well not shootings not in shootings. that way but shootings on the movie set and any other film factoids you may not have known or heard of incredibly no. mesmerizing mass shootings <laughs> to be exact much like the one that is banned in the continental United States, Basketball Diaries. Exactly. Great exactly. Film. Fantastic. Sleeper film. pick. Sleeper pick for a film that you should not watch if you are depressed or a drug addict. <laughs> and that would be Basketball Diaries. Indeed. Is Indeed. that because the character is depressed and a drug addict? Indeed. Indeed. Indubitably. Drives him to having crazy dreams, and you can take that, take with that what you will. Lead character. Being uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and his best friend, who is played by Mark Wahlberg. You know, here's what's crazy about Rosebud. that. Wow, I don't know who that was, but it sounds like somebody's in the studio with us tonight. But you know what I have to say about Leonardo DiCaprio being a fantastic actor? You know who is an underrated actor and singer and cult leader? Would you consider him underrated? I would consider Jared Leto underrated because he's Jared a great Leto. singer, great actor. Terrible, terrible fucking, fucking joker. joker. Terrible Possibly fucking joker. The, worst the worst one of all time. The worst. Which is I, saying something, because there have been a lot of bad Batman movies and villains. Well, Batman one, the lead. One, one front runner. One the front runner. runner. The front runner. The Batman one, and Robin. The only. Batman and Robin, 1997. You, Joel Schumacher. You line up George Clooney, Uma Thurman, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, who am I missing? How, Chris O'Donnell, Uma Thurman, Alicia or Alicia Silverstone. You know you, who Alicia Silverstone is, right? I do. I do. Yeah, you do. I what was she? Do. Come on, what uh, was she in? Alicia Silverstone. Um, isn't Alicia Silverstone? I'm thinking of Alicia as in the black cat from Spider Man. That's, that's not who. That that's, is not who the not same who person. She is. Alicia Silverstone is the girl from Clueless. Ah, fun fact. Ugh, as don't if. hate me. Never seen it. Uh, you don't have to see it. I've seen it. I can give you the rundown for it. But with such a star-studded cast and such what people like to say is one of the biggest, I mean absolute biggest budgets of all time when it comes to movies, how do you get so bad? I I think they genuinely tried. You you have to genuinely try. Bat nipples. <laughs> Bat nipples. Bat nipples. Was that a box office flop? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, okay. God. 
Oh, one of one of the worst. I mean, hang on. Let me pull up the box office info. It is going to hurt you just as a okay. person. Never mind as like a movie buff. What was the budget? Was that so the budget for the movie? First off, it did two hundred thirty-eight point two million U.S. dollars, okay. which is good. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. The budget was only one twenty-five million, one sixty million. So they made over it. Here's the issue. It was an estimated budget of 125. So it was actually 160. A lot of a lot of reshoots. Okay. What killed this movie was it was rated PG thirteen. Okay. And they're okay. not so now obviously that, currently that. there are, but at the time a lot of Batman movies were meant for children. Like that was the whole point of superhero movies. Yeah. Yeah, it, was a, it didn't play. Yeah, it, it got like three point eight stars. It didn't play enough to adult themes. Three point eight out of five. No. Out of ten. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I I was about to say whoever who, whoever is judging that a three. If you're giving them a yeah. three eight out uh, of five, you got to reevaluate your knowledge of everything. Yeah. The way you look at life, the way you get up and put your shoes on in the morning. Yeah, you got to reevaluate your entire life. Uh, the Metascore from the critics, which if anybody doesn't know, Metascore is an independent company that has a bunch of movie critics that actually sit down and rate the scores. Metacritic.com was a 28 out of 100. Real high. Real good. Um, you got 28% on test. What is that? Pretty damn bad. Real bad. I would dare call it a failure. I, yeah. Speaking of failures, with such a star-studded cast, we seem to forget a lot about them. Yeah. None more than, in my opinion, Chris O'Donnell. Liam, do you know who Chris O'Donnell is? I know the name. I'll probably know his face. Oh, you know Chris O'Donnell. You know Chris O'Donnell. This is Chris O'Donnell. Ah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Mr. Robin. Mr. Robin in that movie. Mr. Robin behind the little masquerade mask. But, by God, was he in way more than just Batman and Robin. I mean, way more. He was in something very big. I can't remember it, but he was in it. He was. He was also in the movie before Batman and Robin, Batman Forever, where he also played Robin. That one wasn't terrible. That one wasn't wasn't terrible at all. It wasn't good. I would not call it good now. See, also with the recent, recent adaptation of the Dark Knight comics, being arguably some of the greatest movies we have seen, yeah, that in mm-hmm. in the history of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. movie making. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to really compare Batman. You, you can't even compare Ben Affleck Batman to Ben Affleck Batman's a completely different um, scenario, conversation, and even. You see, I look at Batman and I see the Dark Knight. And I see Christian Bale, Christopher Nolan, maybe Christopher even Nolan. Michael Keaton. Yeah. Yeah, the, but the original. Yeah, Adam West. Yeah, the, the rest real, in the peace. Real, rest, yeah. rest in peace to a legend. May he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. I but mean. with your conversation of actors being in famous roles, how about some actors that are in forgettable roles? Okay. I have a list of five what I would consider B-list actors. I don't mean A-list because they're not going to go out and star in their own films tomorrow. Yes, but fairly well known. I have some actors that you probably won't know, some that you probably do know just by their face but not by their name, and then some where you won't be able to place where they were, but you know exactly where they were. Okay. We're going to start with one of my personal favorites, Toby Jones. Toby Jones. Do you know who Toby Jones is? 
Toby Jones, the tinkerer in the first Captain America movie. I fucking hate you. Okay, okay, okay. The call, like the the announcer in the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. One of his most unknown roles, but probably one of the biggest roles that you will ever see or know of, an iconic role that he played. Mm-hmm. Fucking Dobby from Harry Potter. Now, that's just... I, Toby Jones, that was, that's your sleeper pick. Okay. That was, that was the sleeper pick. That, that's good. That's good. Um, I, I hate don't you. know how I would have gotten that. I just know his little like round face with the weird glasses and his annoying-ass voice. I hate you. Yeah. We don't even need to show you his picture. Yeah, here's, no. here's one. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. 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 We are working with... This is Chris Messina. He looks like a dude from Lucifer. He is not the dude from Lucifer. He I, looks very similar to Chris Messina. I can hold up. Familiar face, but a forgettable one. Very forgettable, very familiar, yes. I'm lost. I got nothing. You have nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. As soon as you say the first movie, I'm going to be punching myself. He was an Argo. <sighs> He's Malinov and Argo. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he is. Yep. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I got I got one for you. He's also lesser known film. He is Dennis in the Maid of Honor film with Patrick Dempsey, rom-com, where he is the maid of honor of his longtime best friend, which he tries to hook up with in college, but she kicks him out while he's wearing the Bill Clinton mask. Fun fact, we will talk about that film here shortly at some point, just because I honestly personally think it's a great film. People don't appreciate it. I, I can't say I've seen it. You, you definitely haven't, and I will torture you with it at some point. This man. Yep. Yep. You know him? You didn't. John Turturro. You know him? You didn't know I you know, know him. I know him. I you know, know him, his face. But you didn't know, know you the know face. Him. You know the face. So give yeah. me anything he was in. John Turturro. I nothing. I got nothing. I know I know. You have, I know, I know you have nothing at all. I know that I know him. You have nothing at all. I know the face. Not not a voice. Uh, the, not he's the head coach for the New York Rangers. Former head coach for the New York Rangers. Coach for the Blue Jackets now. <laughs> no. Is that John Torlini? That's, That's his name. John John Tor John Torino. John John tennis balls. John um, tennis balls. Yes. You really don't know him. I got nothing. All right. He's Agent Simmons in Transformers. Okay. That's he a is. Ah oh, oh, uh, shit. Okay. Okay. He is the Phantom, and you don't mess with the Zohan. And he is more known for anything as his voice role as Francesco Berloni in Cars 2. Okay. Yep. As soon as you said, I was like, oh, the dude from Transformers. Uh, That's uh, forgettable. Then it, then it clicked. And I said, uh, okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. He is also, believe it or not, you would not know this, he is currently in post-production for The Batman. Really? He plays Carmen Falcone. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. That's going to be good. Mm-hmm. That's going to be... Yeah, fantastic. That, talk about that, cast. We, 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 we can't. Hold we, on. We, we can't. another that's, episode that's for it. another day, Liam. Yeah, we're going to have to... We're going to have to postpone that. All right. Um, you know him, you don't know him, you know him, you don't know him. Take, take it in. Take it in. Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. The what? Mummy. The Mummy. The Mummy. The Mummy. I mean... Probably plenty, one of the most of forgotten films, actors of all time. The Mummy... The Mummy Returns. Yep. 
He also in 1997 was in a film that many of us will know but don't oh, appreciate. Hold on. Give me a second. Late 90s film, Brendan Fraser. This is going to piss me off. My parents are going to kill me. He's in a lot, though, to be fair. Is, is, he, in, is he in a 3 o'clock high? What's that, what's that movie from like the is that late 80s, early 90s? It's about a kid that like gets in a fight. He has to fight the bully at 3 o'clock. He beats a shit out of him with brass knuckles. I don't believe so. I I'm, I'm definitely thinking of someone else. I think, is that Nathan Cress? No. Nathan Cress, as in the dude from iCarly? As in the dude. Oh, I meant. Um, <laughs> no, the one from Castle. Oh, oh, no. The no. one that looks just like Brendan yeah. Fraser, Liam. Yeah. Um. Not I. No, the so, late, late, the late 90s film movie. that I am referring to George of the Jungle. He is George. I, I had that movie on VHS. I also had that movie on VHS. A little, little round, round VHS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Older, it wasn't. I had a plastic one, like you know, had a sleeve for it, had a plastic one. Yeah, a little plastic case for it. Yes. Um, yeah, great. He is also the lead in a personal favorite of mine as a child. Currently, going back and watching it makes me want to vomit from the eyes. He is Brendan Fraser in Looney Tunes back in action. Shocker for everybody watching at home. Okay. He plays himself. I, I can't say I've... Probably not. Probably definitely. Most that. likely never could ever say you've ever seen it ever. Did I say okay. ever enough times? No. Ever. Okay. Okay. Brendan Fraser, kind of fell off. His most recent reference that anybody listening would know is he is the love interest of... Um, what's her name on Big Mouth? Not Mindy. Is it Mindy? Yeah, the yeah, the one that uh, fucks the worm or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's her. Really? Yeah. Okay. You you remember that? Uh, she like they mention it. She's like, yeah, Brendan Fraser, run away with me. It is. It is. It is Brendan it Fraser. Is Brendan Fraser. Yep. All right, one more. Okay. Okay. Lily James. Lily, Lily James. James. What was Lily James in? Oh god, she was in a lot. Okay. We will take either her most known. Her most, uh, I guess, wild. Her most notable, and then her most recent. Any of the any of the four, I will take the top four. Unless you have something out of the absolute blue. Okay, I'm thinking. I'm. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. More recent actor. Do the very recent actor. Uh, I'm not. She's she's rememberable face. Yeah, very rememberable face. Once I tell you the movie, you're gonna punch yourself in the face. A weapon. A weapon indeed. I got nothing. You've nothing at all. Nothing. You want me to start with her most wild role, her most recent role, or her let's, most let's famous go the most role? wild one. Now. Her most wild role is she plays Elizabeth Bennett in Pride and the Prejudice Zombies. Yeah. Okay. That's not one that I could say I've seen. Really. I would have thought you of all people. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll torture you with that one. Her most memorable role is she was Cinderella in Cinderella. The, the live action 2018 That is her. Yes. Adaptation. The 20, 2015 one, yes, that is her. That was 2015? Yeah, it was 2015. Yeah, we're, old. we're getting old. We are. She was also young Donna in Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. 
I know you haven't never seen, seen that Mama one. Mayo or Mama Mia Two or uh, Mama Mia Seventeen, whatever. Shout out to Miss Sarah McManus. She has seen Mama Mia over, I think it's sixty-two times now, and I have now seen it with her about twenty-four. So we watch this one frequently. Mama Mia, here we go again. We highly dislike Cher. I refuse to watch the scenes with Cher when she sings with Fernando. But that's another episode for another day. She was also Deborah in Baby Driver. There you go. There it is. You haven't seen Baby I Driver. I have not seen Baby Driver. Wow. I also have not seen the Kingsman movies. Don't hate me. That, the Kingsman movies, we will get you on shortly. That'll be its own special, along with our next episode. Probably one of the greatest cinematic films that nobody ever talks about. A Guy Ritchie classic. Oh, oh, the Gentleman. The classy version of Snatch. Snatch. The Gentleman. How about Guy Ritchie? Jason say the movie coming out this year. This this is intriguing. What's the um? What's the name of it? The um, title. I just saw the trailer for it the other day. It was yeah. It was it's, it looks like it's going to be very 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 important. Is I it, mean, I, is it Wrath of uh, Man? Yes. Wrath yes, of Man. Yes, Wrath of Man. Wrath I of mean, Man. Guy Ritchie has not missed. Guy Ritchie doesn't miss. He can't. So in typical Guy Ritchie fashion. Wait. Sorry. I was trying to pull up the synopsis of the film, and here it comes with the trailer. The um, wide-eyed new cash truck security guard played by Jason Statham surprises his co-workers during a heist, and when she unexpectedly unleashes his precision skills, the crew is left wondering who he is and where he came from. Soon the marksman ultimately motivates himself, and his motives become clear as he takes a dramatic and irrevocable step to settle the score. What I'm really looking forward to is the... Slow motion? Absolutely. Slow motion shot. I- iconic. Uh, the kind of jump back and forth. Oh, yeah. Well, his his signature. Ritchie. His yeah. signature. I wouldn't Fun even, fact, I wouldn't even know, call it parallel editing. Do you know what um, a Guy Ritchie film that was starring, uh, I believe it was Charlie Hunnam, 2016, 2017 film. Is it King Arthur yes. and the Round Table? Yes. I do. Have you ever seen it? I have not. wasn't terrible. I mean, it's not great. Is it is it as good as it's, a Guy Ritchie film or is it a good movie? It's it's a Guy Ritchie medieval film. It's worth watching. Yeah, okay. it's it's worth a watch. I I wouldn't say it's one of his best films. I would say it's definitely just like a cool like, not a modern telling of King Arthur, but like, just a Guy Ritchie, just classic like his Guy Ritchie film. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, look for Wrath of Man starring Jason Statham. Directed by Guy Richard to release on May 7th, 2021. Any of the delays, we will let you know. It is currently, it is not even in post-production. It is out. It is ready. They are waiting for the date. They are waiting for the time. They are hoping they to get people back. The they are hoping to get people back into the movie theater. Yep. Why they released it now and they didn't want to release it way late. Yeah, I respect that. Okay. Um, believe it or not, his co-star in this movie is none other than Scott Eastwood. Ah. Yes. What is Scott Eastwood known for? Being the son of Clint Eastwood. Not only that, <laughs> what else is he known for? He is the lieutenant in Suicide Squad. Is that really his biggest role? Uh, no, it's big role. I was like, Scott Eastwood. He's little nobody in Fast 8, but like, it's Fast 8. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I... He's Nate Lambert in Pacific Rim Uprising. He is. He is indeed. Um, Enjoy that. It's good. You do, you do love you some... I, I do enjoy Kaiju. Speaking of which, speaking of which, yep. Kong versus Godzilla dropped Here today. Today. Released in theaters. Legendary pictures. The collision 
of two legendary kaiju in glorious legendary picture fashion. Everything about it is legendary. We got legendary monsters, in essence. Then the company Legendary Pictures has produced the film. Now this is going to be something I'm going to have to wait and watch with my brother and my father. As Shout out to radio personality, the goat himself, the king of all that is holy, Colum Crowley. The second coming. The of I would I would dare say the, the second, second coming, coming of Christ, essentially. Shout out Colum Crowley and his radio show up in Emmitsburg, Maryland. You should go give it a listen every Wednesday. The time changes, so we cannot plug the time. Another big shout out to my father, who um, shout out indeed yeah, the big the, big rigging electrician, big himself. rigging electrician, Mister Movie Guy, Mister Movie Guy. Credits go on and on. The I credits mean, do go on. First, on. first film he even on IMDb. He does have his own IMDb. He page. does indeed. Now I've been trying to get on his ass about updating it because his credits are extensive. I yeah. Mean, he, only has, from, he only has four currently, which was Iron Man 3, The Crow. He, not The Crow. Not The Crow. Um, the Conjuring. The Con- Iron Man 3. The Conjuring, Iron Man Paper 3. Paper Towns. Paper Towns. And then one more. What was the, the uh, I have, the I have a Safe Haven. Gemini. Yes. Well, Safe, Safe Haven. Haven is on there. However, the list goes on and on. Also, Gemini Man. Also Halloween. Ah, yes. Halloween, the latest Halloween, which... The second one just filmed in my hometown of Wilmington. The SpongeBob movie, uh, the new with one. The new one. Antonio Banderas. Yes. Do you want to talk about a forgotten actor? Uh, Antonio Banderas. Desperado. Wait. Not yet. Also, yeah, have you seen also, Desperado? Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, yeah, of course. Kieran Knight. We're not going to get into this. We're not going to get into that. And a day on this. That's all I got to say. Johnny Depp. Moving yeah. on. Okay. You so I have, have my five. So you have your five after we've gone now, on this tangent. Where these these actors aren't as well known. Oh no, they're pretty. They have big roles. Okay. But they're it's a group of five where you see their face in a lot of movies and you never put the name with the face and you probably don't know their name, but you know their story. It's wild as Toby Jones. Yeah, there's some there's some wild placements in here. All right, let's do it. I'm ready. He, one of them. This first one actually starred in a film alongside Toby Jones. To start, we have Mr. Wes Bentley. Okay. If okay. you can pick out one role, Wes Bentley. Wes Bentley. I, I, it's a rememberable face. Got a lot of roles. He's done a lot. <laughs> he has done a lot. Um, can you give me... If, is it a recent film? Is it a childhood film? There, There's been... There's actually been a good amount of recent films. And just, is that like bit parts or is he like the guy? Uh, he's the guy in a couple of them. He's not a small part. He doesn't play a small role. Would you like me to give you the first one that is just kind of out there? Plays the main antagonist in a film alongside Nicolas Cage. The is he a fucking Ghost Rider? The 2007 he is a Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. He plays Blackheart, who is essentially yep. Lucifer. Yes. And alongside of Toby Jones, he plays Seneca Crane from The Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Doyle from the Interstellar. Interstellar. And he's Eric in Mission Impossible Fallout. Yep. Along with that, starting three seasons of American Horror Story. Freak Show, Hotel, Roanoke. Hotel, weird. Weird, weird. Real, real weird. Very good season. Freak Show and Roanoke, I never finished. Along along with that, 
a film that I saw last year, my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. Watch We Are Your Friends, mm. starring Zac Efron. Wes Bentley plays Zac Efron's like idol, right? Okay. Wes Bentley takes Cole, mm-hmm. who is Zac Efron's character, right. under his wing. Wes Bentley's character James, his girlfriend is Emma, Emily, Emma Radzikowski, Radzikowski. <laughs> Yeah, the girl Gibby's girlfriend yep. and iCarly. Harley, shout out to Gibby. Yep, shout out Givers. Um, so Cole eventually ends up banging James, who is West Valley's character. He, Zach Efron bangs his girlfriend. Right. Yeah, and and that's where it, that's just that's, that's where we climax. <laughs> Pun intended. All right. I have one for West Valley you didn't know. He really? was in the Oscar-winning film American Beauty back in 1999. I didn't know that. Neither did I. I didn't, but... Moving on. I figured I, I figured that's not really like a... If it won an Oscar, <laughs> I'd say it's pretty <laughs> important. That's like saying it's, Sean, it's all right. It's all right. It's like saying Sean Penn wasn't in Milk in 2008. Okay, but Sean Penn was in Copland. But Sean... Alongside but, of Sylvester Stallone. But Sean Penn. Sean Penn. But Sean Penn. He's, he's been in a lot. He is doing a lot. He is okay, in, okay. Yeah, next, okay one. next one. Next one. Oh, uh, he's in. Um, yeah, he's in that movie. Jason Clark. <laughs> Hang on. No, what was he in? Space. Zero Dark Thirty. He's the interrogator. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know what else he's in? He's in a lot. Do you know a film that we watched recently, one that we listened to the soundtrack on frequent, that he is in? He plays a role where it's just you kind of see him, then you don't. Is it, Tar- is it a Tarantino film? No. Okay. Is it it's a Leo suspect? film. Leo. Um. Oh, he's he's the um he's the uh, mechanic in Great Gatsby, he is and indeed. he kills Leonardo DiCaprio in the end. Yep. 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 Devil all the time. Uh huh. You need to see that. I need to Great see it. Film. I do. He also plays the father in the remake of Pet Sematary. Oh. Now, the, seeing his face, you can put it together. I do. But not a lot of people would say, oh, that's Jason Clark. The first time I saw him in a movie, I was like, oh, that's Walmart brand Chandler from Friends. <laughs> you can see where, it, if you don't see the resemblance, you're, then you're stupid. You're tripping. But, okay. Uh, Next yeah, one. As soon as I saw him, I was like, he interrogated that guy and put him in a cage in yeah. Zero Dark Thirty and then ate his lunch. Is that Amy Adams in that film? Who's the oh, female? Is that Amy Ferris or Amy Adams? I believe it's... I don't think it's Amy Adams, is it? I think it... Hang on. I, mean, I think it's Anna Ferris. Isn't Anna Ferris the girl from all the uh, scary movie films? Anna Ferris is the blonde one. Yeah, Anna Ferris is the... One from all the scary movies. Isn't Anna Ferris the one from Mom? Probably. Like the TV show? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I don't watch. Okay, it is not Amy Adams. It is Jessica Chastain. Okay. And we all know what Jessica Chastain looks like because she is like the carbon copy of Amy Adams. Yeah. Exactly. We got Walmart brand Chandler and Walmart brand Amy Adams. You want to talk about somebody who does get slept on probably in every movie he's ever been in ever? Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler. The father from Friday Night Lights. The father from Friday Night Lights. For some reason, I always see him as a detective. The deputy from Super 8. All right, that's why I see him as a Hamilton J.J. Abrams. Argo, and he is Joe Chandler in Manchester by the Sea. Manchester by the Sea, definitely. From he is also in Godzilla vs. Kong. He is. He is indeed. He. He. Movie that we just mentioned. Oh, Super 8. I saw that in theaters with my family. 
It was a Thanksgiving. We we used to go to movies. We used to go see movies on uh, Black Friday. We used to go see movies on Mother's Day. Really? Yeah. So Avengers. Oh. My mom loves it. Oh, huge Robert Downey Jr. It's awesome. Oh, Robert Downey Jr. asked my dad to buy a hat off of him. Did he say yes? No. He offered my dad $135 for an American Eagle hat that he got for $22. It was my hat. So Robert Downey Jr. asked to buy my hat. And your dad said no? No, it was cold. He wanted the hat. Keep his head warm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> So when I saw Super 8, I think that was one of the most underrated films of all time. J.J. Abrams. It is. It it's is fucking incredible. Is, There's no... I, I cannot... Actually, I think if we were to recommend any film that probably nobody's seen, it's that one. June 10th, 2011, it came out, so it was overshadowed by a lot of movies. Then I didn't see it. I wouldn't have seen it on Black Friday. I, we bought it on Black Friday. Probably. I wasn't I trying to diminish you. I was just uh, giving you a... The tech specs on it are actually probably really important to you here. Um, they shot some of the negatives on a Super 8 camera, like yep. an 8 millimeter. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible. Which is which is absurd. So they shot uh, it on the Super 16, on the Super 8, a couple of digital intermediates to like transform it for the remaster. 16, 35, 8 millimeter Kodak Vision 3 film. It's just one of those insane, like, insane apps. I mean. Honestly, it's the uh, this is a this is a stretch. It might hurt some people back home, but I would compare it to I would dare to say it's the precursor of Stranger Things. Yes, absolutely. You take you take all of the aspects. And of you that. know me. How so, many how many Stranger Things shirts, posters, hoodies do I have? A plethora. A plethora. A plethora. A a, a multitude, if you would say. A dubious amount. Yes. A plethora. Yes. A placebo. Yes, you have a placebo in your room. Speaking, Next. Speaking of placebos. Placebo effect. Placebo effect. The COVID vaccine, the placebo effect. I Incorrect. <laughs> All right, moving on from that topic. Next actor. We have Jiman Hounsou. Okay. You know his face. He's in, um, he's in, he's got the blue eyes. He's got the white hair. Um... Um, not Heimdall from Thor, but a very similar character. That is, that is Idris. Elba. No, 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 no. He's. I know what. I know what I'm saying. He is in. What's his name again? Jiman Hanzu. I think you're thinking of Guardians of the Galaxy. Is he in it? Yep. Am I correct? And he's yep. got the white hair and the blue eyes, like piercing blue. And he's yep. the first villain that uh, Chris Pratt runs into when he's on the planet getting the orb. Yep. Do you know what else he is in? He, he is the he is Juba in the Russell Crowe 2000 film Gladiator. Gladiator. He is the trainer. Are you not insane? I mean, Gladiator. But it's in the top 100 list. That movie is fucking inc- impeccable. I believe it is top 50, possibly. I maybe believe it's in the top 50. With with that, we'll move on from Gladiator and also go over some other roles that Jimon Hounzu has played that not a lot of people realize. A 2008 film about a kid that gets bullied. 
and he fights it, boys. Is never this, back down. Is this the three o'clock film you were referring no, 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 to earlier? No. Okay. This was this is never back down. Never back down is it's it's cheesy. It's a corny movie. It's got that typical early two thousands like party soundtrack. You got the guy that plays the, the main main antagonist is that high school football jock that's a dick, but for some reason he's really good at martial arts. <laughs> And are we talking about Karate Kid or are we talking about this movie? Essentially, essentially a like I, I would compare it to like Karate the only way I could describe this is like a Lincoln Park version of like Karate Kid. Yeah, if that makes okay. sense to anyone, no, that, that it, it yeah. doesn't, but it does. No, it makes also all the sense of the world. He co-stars with Leonardo DiCaprio in the 2006 film Blood Diamond. Great yes, film. incredible. I mean, just fantastic, incredible. Seriously speaking, for my fourth. Fourth placement on my list of actor I'm, actor and actresses that you shouldn't that you know their face, but you don't you might not know what roles they play. I am pleasantly surprised with how many I've known. Yeah, I'm I'm impressed. Thank you. Numi Rapace. You know what she you know what she has been in. Is that the girl from the ring? I, 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 no. No, it is not. She is in one of my personal favorite movies of all time. The precursor to the Alien film, Prometheus, and she is also in the follow-up Covenant. Along with that, she plays the girl with the dragon tattoo. Mm. She is in the recent Netflix film What Happened on Monday, where she plays all seven. I believe there's the seven characters, right? Yeah, they're all siblings. I guess what? That's not sex couplets. That's what? What is that? Seven would be septuplets. Septuplets. Seven. Yeah. Septuplets. She's also in Bright, another Netflix film with Joel Edgerton and Will Smith. Yes. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I thoroughly enjoyed that film. What do I know her from? Do you know what else she's in? A lot. Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. The 2009 mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes. Yep. Yes, she is. She plays, um... Where? She plays Madame, ah! she plays Madame Seema. Ah, do you know who directed that? Guy fucking Richie. No wonder I love that movie so much. I love those I mean, movies. I really do. I really love all those movies. It, incredible. Has he ever made a bad film? I'm not I talking about a so. questionable decision film. I'm talking about a bad film. I, I honestly don't think so. He doesn't... He, he can't miss. This motherfucker don't miss. No, he's fucking good. No. In the heat of battle, he don't miss. Okay. So I'm about to throw one at you for my older listeners. As soon as I say the name... You'll know him. You might know his face. You might know what he's been in. You've definitely seen at least all of his movies. Michael Bean. <laughs> You've seen something he he guest starred in a show recently. He guest starred in a show? In a Disney Plus series. Recently. For I think an episode or two, maybe. Was he in the Mandalorian? Yeah. Season two? Season one. I believe season one. Episode so. seven. Do you know what else? Do you know what else he's in? Michael Bean. You break my heart here, aren't I? Yeah. Think about it. Think about the greatest movie of all time and think about the one right before it. The greatest movie of all time is a sequel to this film. You... The greatest film of all time, Terminator 2 Judgment. Oh my god! <laughs> the first one, Terminator. Michael Bean plays Kyle Reese. 
essentially the main character. He is also in Robert Rodriguez's Grindhouse double feature, Planet Terror. And you want to talk about a director who doesn't get enough love? A movie that we I just referenced. Aliens. Aliens. He is. Plays Corporal Hicks. He. We got a big ass gun. Shoot shit up. He. Good ass movie. Aliens. Incredible film. Great action film. He. I love all those anime movies. Ah. Three. Three. Three kind of sucked. Three sucked. No disrespect. Okay. I mean four. What was that? Resurrection. No, no it was that Alien Five. <coughs> Resurrection. They, they, I, I like the revive though. I'm excited no. to see chapter 13 of The Mandalorian, The Jedi. Oh, he's in season two. He was in, in the season, last. He is in season two. He's in the last episode of season two. Really? Intriguing. Oh. Indubitably. Oh. oh. With this, we have concluded our first segment of the pod today. This. I'm playing our guess. little actor guessing game. So, Liam. The other day, I was sitting. Okay. Reeling and dealing, if you would. Reeling and dealing? Reeling and dealing. And by reeling, you mean, like, reeling? By reeling, I mean reeling. And by yeah. dealing, I mean, like, dealing. Dealing shit out. Yeah, but not dealing like dealing, but like dealing like dealing. You're dealing, yeah. I hit him with a little hee-hee! Okay, okay. Well, magic. I got an idea. IMDb came out with... The top 100 movie watch list. Yep. A poster. Everyone says like 25 bucks on Amazon if you want to get it and follow along with the pod. Yep. I have a proposition for you. And I have some rules. Tell me if I'm out of pocket, if I'm ODing, if they're good, if they're bad. We rank all 100 on our own scale. Okay. In videography, plot, and story, because I know they're the same but different. Dialogue, acting, and creativity. What I mean by creativity is like shot type, the time it took, the technology they had available, the time it was shot in. And then I have a bonus point of like one through five of like hidden actors because like we watched Dazed and Confused the other day. Yep. Ben Affleck. Yeah. Forgot. Yep. Completely forgot he was completely forgot. So I have the I have like three rules. We can watch any movie in the entire list within a span of five. So 195 yep. or like 30 to 25. Like you pick any five in that span. You don't have to watch it necessarily in order in order, but you don't want to start with Pulp Fiction and have to watch The Bicycle Thief, completely different levels of score. Yeah. Um, uh, or start with like... If you get a perfect movie, if you get a perfect movie, you have to reevaluate. You have to redo it. Yeah, 100%. Because nobody gets a 50 out of 50. Nobody can get a 50 out of 50. That's impossible. There, I... I will. You have to have some issue. However, with Terminator Two: Judgment Day is on the movie list. It's time. It's, <laughs> it's always time. It's there's time. there's never not a good time to watch Terminator Two: Judgment Day. It's cold and rainy. You watch Terminator Two. <laughs> if it's a nice summer day, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. You can be outside of the beach. Terminator Two. AMC is probably playing Terminator Two, because for some reason it's always fucking on AMC. If we're being completely honest, it is always on AMC. Does Terminator Two. Does that grind your gears? No. Richard Gere. Yeah. Another forgotten actor. Ah, Richard Richard Gere. Uh, I don't know about forgotten, but I mean. Name two movies Richard Gere was in the last five years. Okay. Yeah, you got me. Yeah. Hey, he's in Hachi, okay? He's also in Pretty Woman and an officer and a gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. 
is also in Primal Fear. Oh my god. If you have not seen Primal Fear, that is one movie I would recommend to anyone. He also has an alias. He has an alias? Excuse me? He also goes by... I, if I butcher this, I apologize. He also goes by Ricardo Gia. Is his alternate name on IMDb? I do not know. Maybe it's he. For why? I do not know is for he. whom. I'm okay. Is that his like family name? I could not tell you. I will tell you he's been in the Lord knows everything ever. Um fairly well known guy, fairly not well known guy, if that makes any sense to anybody listening on the Probably podcast. Probably Ed Norton. Richard Gere. <laughs> Ed Norton. Another just, film we will be discussing is the Grand Budapest Hotel. We just recently watched it. Oh my god. God. You know who you know who Richard Gere reminds me of? Who does he remind you of? David Duchovny, dude from X Files. Yes. Similar I don't know why. Similar builds, similar, similar like, facial face. structure. Yep. Like I, I don't know why, like I know that's not I know it's like oddly like a similar voice. Yeah. Yeah, kinda of, yeah. Like just and and the same like I guess just being in the same like nineties detective movies where they're always where they both wear a lot of like overcoats and like peacoats. Mm-hmm. You know? Like the same same speaking of nineties detective movies, Predator too. I don't know why, but that movie's just incredible. Just something that I needed to say. You can't tell me it's not good. It's really freaking good. But you know it's better than Predator 2. If you, say, better Ter- if you say Terminator 2 Judgment Day, I will stop recording this right now. The first Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who is also in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. The man does it all. He does miss, though. Yeah. He does miss. Yeah. Terminator Salvation. Batman and Robin. Christian Bale. In a Terminator movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, how can you miss? They they found a fucking way. They missed real bad. Put Christian Bale in any. But the Prestige. Christian, what, were you about to say put Christian Bale in any movie and it makes it better? No, I was just about to say, but Christian Bale doesn't miss. Uh, the Dark Knight movies were okay. <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. That was, was completely like, facetious. I was like, I'm literally. The Dark Knight movies are. I was like, I would literally beat you with your own shoes. Christopher Nolan's a genius. Christian Bell is Shout awesome. out to the Christopher Nolan verse. If you know, you know. Okay, we strayed away from our topic. So of, we, we, uh, sat, we sat down to watch a film from 1941. It directed is. by and starring Orson Welles. Little unknown picture known as Citizen Kane. Yeah, a little unknown. Unknown yeah. picture, yeah. Real unknown. Didn't win eight Oscars. Yeah, for... For whatever, everything. God knows what. Uh, best picture, best uh, actor in a leading role, best mm-hmm. cinematography, best production, and best director. Off the top of my head, not that I've covered it before. Yeah, not that we watched it and studied it. So. So. Rosebud. 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 Um, if you know anything about the film, that 
line that leads you to mystery has nothing to fucking do with it whatsoever. It's literally like, oh, Charles William Kane says his last words. Rosebud. Do you ever hear Rosebud mentioned again except for in the ending when they burn the freaking sled? No. Absolutely fucking not. I think there's one time, but it's like, were you Kane's Rosebud? Then it's just like, no. And they walk away. So, but... Um, trivia to be on that yeah, before we get into scoring this movie because it's yeah it's an interesting film to, so, film to in work typical with. nerd fashion the way that I do all things I have three things to give you that other people may not know yep. I'm going to start with I will give you three trivia facts that a ton of people will not know I'm going to give you the tech specs and I'm going to give you the location and you're going to play the game we always like to play guess where this movie was shot okay so the opening scene opens up with some incredible shots. The first two minutes and eight seconds is that? honestly all establishing shots, and it doesn't miss. It, it is shots with obstruction. It is a pan. It is a tilt. It is a zoom. There's a Dutch angle shot even when they uh, picture Xanadu with the golf course next to it, yep. with the rain behind it. And even with even with these shots, they establish almost a genre of early like pre-color pre-color film horror films like classic Ex- horror exactly I mean they give you that typical like it looks like an old abandoned castle as Xanadu just looks like looks like something you'd see in Transylvania like for example in like Nosferatu, Nosferatu. Or, or a Hitchcock film it is and then so that's that's, that's my first that's my first topic actually okay. so this is a film Orson Welles and his cinematographer Greg Toland another well-known name we'll get to that later they pioneered a technique called deep focus so if you noticed we talk about it a lot with compositional stress rule of thirds foreground background when it comes to Mm -hmm. centering your object or shooting it symmetrically they shot every object in the foreground center and background in simultaneous focus which for what was this 41 1941 yes insane Insane. Some things that they, to this day, still not, like, they still can't figure it out how he did it. Because there's always going to be a lack of focus, depending on your distance, whether you're shooting on a Super 8, a 16-milligram, 35-millimeter anamorphic, or a Sony Digitech. Yeah. It's not It's, it's, not, it's not an easy feat to yeah. achieve. And to, to achieve that in 1941, where essentially you're... Mm-hmm. You have very, very little to work with yeah. when filming movies. So much you have so, pretty much essentially right, what's right in front of you. Literally. So much so that you know the scene where they shoot the speech. Mm. It is a still image, and the director poked holes in the bottom of the reel so that the light would pass through and make it look like the audience was moving and applauding. This movie, cinematically wow. speaking, and scumbag speaking is the best way I could say it like you know how sometimes you're a scumbag because you reuse something that somebody else had for a different purpose Mm -hmm. we're gonna call it scumbag factor he also has in the scene on Xanadu where he's with his entourage you see some large birds flying across the background would you like to tell me those large birds what they are pterodactyls from King Kong they are from King Kong or Son of Kong we are not 100% sure because the obviously they never admit it but they are lifted from the prehistoric movie of King Kong or Son of Kong. 
he was notorious also for either reusing or spreading false information. So he had a rule. He had it in his contract. The executives and the producers could not come down and see what he was filming to tamper with it. Okay. And if there was a spy spotted on set, they were to stop what they were doing and play softball until they left. Wow. Man wow. was an absolute... He was protected. Protecting his shit. I respect the the hustle. It is is absolutely a respect to the hustle. Um, So with that, RKO Pictures and Productions obviously was trying to do this. It was a box office flop. Which quickly consigned to the RKO vaults, but at the 1941 Academy Awards, when it won, was booed every single time. It was re-released to the public in the mid-50s. Now, here's the only reason why I could see... It flopping. Yeah. Completely, yeah, completely. You are, we're pro- it was preparing a for. It was a prototype. Yeah, but also we're preparing for World War Two. Uh, yeah, and in, in theory, this, yes. And this comes out where this essentially shows corruption among media and politics and politics. And the marriage between the two, absolutely. And where, where we're coming into a time period where it's it's 1941, the world needs to literally band together. And mm-hmm. I feel like almost you can't compare the two. This is gonna be sound drastic, but if you think about the latter half of two thousand one or going into two thousand two, tragedy struck America. Fear. Yeah. So you're going to produce stuff that's going to make Americans and other people around the country or around the world just band together. It's like okay, well, like Medal of Honor. Yeah. Or any war gonna, maybe along that same line where it was the good guys. Cause where it was the good guys. Everyone like you got the good guys versus the bad guys, and this is really this doesn't show really like a it's not like a heroic. Mm-hmm. Not until later with Zero Dark Thirty when you see the um, atrocities of humanistic interrogation and what people talked about with the Stanford Prison Experiment and the um, dehumanizing of subjects and interrogatees. I'm not saying it wasn't justified. I'm not saying I don't agree that terrorists should have been tortured, but I am saying that it was found out to be inhumane. And obviously they're not going to... And it's not going to be depicted in post-9-11 America in 2001 when all we want to see is happy-go-lucky... Good guys bad guys. Yeah, good guys winning every single possible fight because we need to restore the faith in America. Which is where I... Which is why I could see this movie. And that could be... Obviously, nobody knows exactly why this was a box office flop. Because, I mean, it's 1941, there's really... Right. You can't... You can't compare it to 2001 post-9-11 America. Right. But in essence, you can. To an extent. Seriously speaking. And granted, it was pre-America involvement in World War II, but... But enough that you kind of... You knew what was coming. Yeah. You you just got out of World War One. you know... And... When was... um, The invasion of Poland was 1939, correct? 39 or 38 so it's it's clear what's going on in Europe like you're yep. you're on the cusp of some yep and Pearl Harbor was in 42 or 41 44 I should know this <laughs> I'm not a history major never claimed to be never yeah. wanted to be yeah I should know this we're movie guys not uh, history majors 
movie history. I was, this I was, was a history. He was correct. December seventh, nineteen forty one. Forty one. It was okay. So, so that was, could definitely lead yeah. to the flop in the box office. I'm not sure when it was exactly released. Um, moving on from the trivia of it, obviously we have to go to the tech specs and we have to go to the location before we can review yeah. it. Give Xanadu. It Let's uh. <laughs> Let's hit it. Xanadu. First, we have to talk about the realm or the reels. Okay. Um. So obviously it's a two-hour movie, 119 minutes, shot in black and white. Aspect ratio is 1.37 to one. Nothing out of the ordinary. It was shot on 35 millimeter Eastman plus X. One two three one and one two three two, uh, three thousand two hundred seventy one point seven two meters, roughly thirteen reels of film, and it was printed in thirty five millimeter. Nothing crazy, nothing important, nothing out of the ordinary at that time, especially. Um, what I do have to talk about is where we filmed. Mm-hmm. You already know the answer to one of them. What is Xanadu? It's a hotel mm-hmm. in Long Island, New York. Home, baby. The same. Yeah, shout out, shout out, Strong Island. Shout out to the five one six in the Strong Island. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we got Zerdo, which is the um, what's the name of the hotel? The Ohika Castle. The Ohika Castle, which is where Taylor Swift filmed her blank space, and also where Boris lives in Royal Pains. If any of you are Royal Pains fans, Team Hank. Can't say I've seen it. Can't say I ever, or I ever will. You have to see. I, I don't think I will. All right. So, but thank you. Shot, <laughs> shot on thank you so opposite much. sides of the country. Yeah. Once again, incredible. It's <laughs> 1941. You're driving a, what, a This is a not, car this is not commercial flight at the time. 30 miles an hour. This is not commercial flight at the time at all. He shot it in uh, the, what is now demolished, Xanadu grounds of Bush Gardens in Pasadena, California, Balboa Park of San Diego, California. And then, obviously, we talked about the Ohika Castle. Which, I mean, it's just Pasadena. so... Like, Pasadena was a huge uh, portion of the grounds just because between the festival and the Parade of Roses and the scenery of the streets. And let's just talk about Bush Gardens. Let me, this is where I'll nerd out about history a little bit. Bush Gardens and... Uh, you said it was Pasadena, correct? Or, Pasadena, yes. Yeah, so the Bush Gardens and Pasadena. Mm-hmm. I mean, them showing all like the zoo and just the... Mm-hmm. The creatures of our international extent and the beauty. largest private zoo ever created. Yeah, the largest private zoo ever created. I mean, we got the perfect, the epitome of like a early twentieth century America. Like, Literally, like you just got giraffes chilling for no reason. <laughs> like, dude, dude's got giraffes chilling in his backyards next to an elephant and like a Arctic fox. You got a zebra, right? Yeah, you got a zebra. He had. Yeah, donkeys? What do you need donkeys for? That's like not a really... I guess it's a zoo animal, but like... Yeah, but a, a burrow was used many times in like... Yeah. All all walks of life, seriously speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, intriguing enough, though, you know the scene that is shot on... Uh, I don't remember the name of the store, but... Uh, Wells is standing outside, and he just got hit with the mud, and you're looking at the storefronts. Mm-hmm. You would think it's New York. Yeah, exactly. It is San Diego, California. Wow. That has a very New York City, like... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Early 20th century. It is San Diego, or it is the RKO Studios, but as the current filming and production notes are, based on not being updated since 1941... It is. Yeah, when IMDb was on the internet. 
1941. Yeah, yeah, before, <laughs> before Macintosh, before Windows, Bill yeah, Gates, IMDb who, had it. Orson Welles uh, created IMDb. Yeah. All right. I mean, also Orson Welles, like I could also see where this is controversial. Like, he's a controversial. Who wanted to go see yeah. a movie that directed and starred in his own film? Yeah, and someone that was being viewed as a wasn't he view, being viewed as a communist after this? Yes. That is, this film here is that being is, viewed as a communist. That is another reason that it did not do well was the Soviet Union. Yeah, yeah, that could be a and huge part of it. And the Red Scare, because 1954, I believe, was the Red Scare when Congress was... Because it was after World War II, before Vietnam, before the Cold War. I want to say it was 1954 for the Red Scare. Red Scare was some, somewhere around there. Yeah. This actually saying? caused the Red Scare. Or was it 19... Oh, well, the Citizen Red Scare... Citizen Kane is the off, Red Scare. There was a Red Scare in 1920s. Mm-hmm. So we are still on the cusp of that. Um, what's it? Fifties? Yeah, nineteen fifties of nineteen fifty four. I think is when uh, they started interviewing random citizens in. Also, the, yeah. Do you know what movie came out in nineteen fifty four? That was a complete political notion to World War Two. Came out nineteen fifty four. Yeah. Black and white film. Casablanca. That was 1943, not 1954. Gojira. Really? You know what Gojira is? I've heard of it. Godzilla. The original. Godzilla. First Toho. Godzilla. It was a complete political play on the nuclear experiments and the destruction of Japan. And that's where we get a giant fire breathing monster that Megalodon. just destroys is it a megalodon Godzilla not a megalodon oh. he's, a, he's a lizard he's a monitor lizard <laughs> that just gets nuked to hell and he's a, he can breathe fire out of his mouth shout out Kong vs. Godzilla came out today said it earlier in the pod came out today everyone needs to see it <laughs> but continue with Citizen Kane Let's get into... We should, probably, we should probably grade this thing. Yeah, let's get into scoring. All right, so before we jump into individual scores, we're going to jump into overall scores between the two of us. 36 out 34. of 50. 34 out of 50, which might seem low, which might seem low. That's it's not bad. It's passing. It's passing. That, that is what, 80... Mine's like a 72. 34 out of 50. Mm-hmm. Let me do some quick maths. <laughs> Maybe Except quick maths. Every day man's on the block. Every day man's on the block. Um... Oh, so, 34 out of 50 would be a 60. Oh, 68. 68%. I mean, that's... Passing? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, we'll, I also... We'll give you our unbiased opinion on it. Like, it's not... It's, it's very objective instead of subjective. Yeah. Like, I'm... It wasn't something that... You, you can't you can't watch it in passing. You can't watch it in passing, and you can't go to somebody who's not an appreciation of, like, cinema and be like, hey... Let's watch a 1941 black and white film with mono audio shot in 1.37 aspects when Justice League is shot in 4.37 yeah. on the Schneider cut. It's yeah. just not the same. Yeah, like you can't um, you can't tell someone like, hey, you got a movie recommendation. Like you're not going to sit down with a girl and be like, all right, let's, let's watch, watch Citizen, Citizen Kane. Kane. Like you could watch like a stupid horror movie or like even a rom-com. And it's I like, let's watch the 1941 Orson Welles film, Citizen, Citizen Kane. Kane. It's an incredible, Oscar-winning, 
political film. I think it's my like, other issue with Citizen Kane is it's so overly referenced that I felt not deja vu, but kind of a, a cultural vomit of other references to it between the speech, between the um, talking of him being taken by a wealthy benefactor. I feel like there were a lot of references to other things that I'm just now seeing that I'm like, why am I seeing it again? To an extent. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Not to anything more than just me spitballing. So video, I give it an 8 out of 10. It is ridiculously well done considering its time frame, considering what it does. The first two minutes and eight seconds we talked about like all the establishing shots and the angles. A lot of people, I didn't realize it the first time we saw it because I had to rewind it and show you. It's getting closer to Xanadu. Yeah. So like it starts at like the no trespassing sign, which by the way, that sign is actually um, a split sign. And like they pull it in half so like you get the shot of it going in. Like it's a practical shot. And then the shot through the snow globe was like never done before. Oh gosh! At, I mean, why would he, who would possibly think of that? Like, you don't get to see it firsthand to how it's going to look. You just see it through like the lens. I mean, Mr. Kane, it, you're two minutes and fifteen seconds into the film, and it just shows someone pass away, drop a snow globe, and that, that that's it. That's that's all you have to work with, and it's like, and somehow it draws you in. Yeah, draws you in, I which mean, which isn't our issue with it. The issue gets to when you get to the plot. Yeah. that's So the plot's my lowest graded. You can talk about it on yours also. So the the plot I gave a 6 out of 10. Okay. Uh, that's that's tied with the lowest grade. I, I also gave it a 6 out of 10. So my problem with the plot is I feel as if it, it kind of it loses me. It loses me. I feel like halfway I'm, the halfway point when he meets uh, the second mistress. Yeah, yeah, I completely yeah. agree. It's like I'm, all it's, of a sudden I didn't know what I was watching. I'm like staring into blank space after that. Um, the speech after him announcing it, like the first I, marriage when they like are drawn apart on that kitchen table. Yeah, and I get I get it's showing where how he came to who he is and why right. he is so successful. Why he mm-hmm. was so successful and showing his life mm-hmm. and. In a past, essentially, the entire movie is a flashback and just a... Literally, a, a retelling of yeah. other people's accounts of him. Essentially, a biography about his life written yeah. by other people. And I just... It, it loses me. Like, it's just mundane. Exactly. And I'm not saying that because I'm a fan. I grew up watching, like... it's Most, most people nowadays, if you say, like, oh, like, black and white movies, you're going to get... With our generation, you're gonna get people that are like, "Why the hell would I watch that?" Yeah, like, I've, that I've seen unbearable. I've seen Casablanca probably seventy something times because it was my grandfather's favorite movie growing up. Like I, it's not that I don't appreciate the black and white film or how it has to be done. Yeah. And like, there's movies like, but if you're in the top 100, you're getting graded. Yeah, you watch you watch movies like The World of Flesh and the Devil, like like early like 30s, 40s, 50s film. And it's like you watch Nosferatu, a silent yeah. film. I mean, that movie is, to an extent, is unbearable just because of the soundtrack. Uh, obviously, there it was nineteen twenty-two. Yeah, but but I'm just saying, like the, the plot yeah. at least keeps you, it keeps you keeps engaged. You it keeps you engaged. It's not. It doesn't just lose you. Like it's yeah. not like like I felt like this was a an uneventful Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, but obviously without the debauchery and. 
this is going to sound like we're typical, scumbags. Yeah, typical frat frat boy stockbroker want to be like, oh, I want to, I want to be Jordan Belfort, but Steve Madness, <laughs> which I mean, not saying Wolf Wall Street's a bad movie. No, 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 no. Well, that's a, great it's a different category. But I'm just Scorsese I'm, doesn't miss. I'm comp- comparing these two as in the same almost. Not rags to riches to... I, I did actually call it a rags to riches. Yeah. Because when he starts in Colorado, obviously, you find out like about, what is it, a quarter of the way through the film, like he's traded to Thatcher for this fortune um, that his parents wind up... You, you don't really get a ton of background until like towards the end when he goes back home to like meet his father and he meets his brother and he like... Is trying to make amends on everything that's going on. Yeah, and they they even mention certain things that like they don't touch on again. For example, him being expelled from all these prestigious universities. He went to this Ivy League. He went to Oxford. He went to Brown. And all of a sudden, you're just hearing these things, but you never hear if he graduates. But then he he's regarded in such a high point of view as far as. Oh, uh, you own the Inquirer. Yeah, you are the biggest set media to be mobile. the sixth richest person in the world. And I understand Thatcher's like coin, if you would, but how does he garner enough credibility to be able to even have this conversation with these wealthy aristocrats and elites? Yeah, it just starts off with him. It, it really just shows him, like, okay, he started off young, but he also, like, Somehow he comes out of his expulsions from all these universities, and it's oh, he's established. He is already a pre-established media mogul. It's not like he had. It's not like he had like family. Like his name wasn't a wealthy family name. He came from nowhere in Colorado. Yeah, no. And I guess I guess it's just alluded to the fact that Thatcher just has money aids him mm-hmm. in that and helps him, but it. Well, it's but then it shows goes, their yeah, tension. It's mentioned he goes to boarding school, but it, the way that they introduce it is like, this is for you, and then it's clearly for the parents or for Thatcher's gain. Yeah. Um, it's just... It loses me also... It talks so much about the power he garners between politics, media, How? and wealth. We see him run for governor. We see him lose for governor. That's it. And he runs on that anti-corruption platform promising to like investigate and bring down the opponent. And then we're supposed to just believe that the story comes out about Susan, this other mistress, if you would, that that, if he's running on this, is going to take him out of the race when every politician at the time has two mistresses a shorthand girl, if you would, as a secretary, yeah. and then their wife. Yeah. It kind of loses me because of the time period and, like, the conventions of plot and synopsises yeah. of film at that point. Because, obviously, all films draw on each other, and I'm not saying they don't. I mean, you... Like, this sounds like we were critiquing every part of it. It's it's an interesting film. It's a great film. I'm not saying it's bad. Like, I'm not... I wouldn't like, give it yeah, a 30... No, like, I, I know we give it a 68% if you look at the numbers, but, like, if you was, break it down by category... Effort, because effort analyzing the, the dialogue is really well done. Like, it's well choreographed. There's not a ton of, especially in those films, like when you're shooting mono audio like that, you're trying to make sure you're not stepping on the toes of your other actor and you have enough silence to create this kind of divide or this tension. It does that yeah. really well. Like, it's, it's well 
thought through. Like the, it's a dynamic script. It's a dynamic yes. conversation. Even when they have that shot and they're at the kitchen table and he's talking to his first wife and like they slowly drift apart based on the table, the conversation goes from being this intimate conversation of like, oh, how are you doing? Like, what can I do to help you to how are things fine? Let's move yeah, on. Yeah, and it shows the... It shows the... Um, that's... I. What would you call the disconnect, I guess yeah, is the word yeah, I would use? The disconnect definitely. between him and his wife as it goes on. So that leads into actually our dialogue score. What would you score? So I give it a seven. Which yeah, I, I match your seven. Yeah. And that's not... We're not trying to say Orson Welles wasn't a genius for what he did. I mean, the dialogue... The dialogue in comparison to the plot... Is fantastic. Is what holds... That's what holds, holds you, you together. Like and we don't, mean, we don't mean dialogue like... Like, we're talking about dialogue, like, when he's talking to that group of people and they're asking, what's it going to take for you to finance a war? Yeah. Then they're at that birthday party. Like, he's talking about, like, I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this for me. I need you to buy this paper. I need you to make this disappear, make this reappear. The scene we talked about where you kind of lose it, that intense first meeting he has with that mistress, and she's like, oh, I have hot water. I'm not supposed to have these men around with my door closed because... My landlady might think something's going on, and we kind of like see the true colors of him by, by the dialogue, like yeah. you, you've, which is the whole point of it. But that's where the plot loses you is you're like, okay, now we're going to finally talk about all these bad things, raunchous things like he's done because he had power, he had wealth, he had this corruption of government in his back pocket, and they kind of skip over it like a record, like it's just like you move the needle and you're moving yeah. on. Yeah, and I mean even the speech. Incredibly well written. I that I think that's a fan. If you had to, sh- if I had to show anybody like a scene from this movie, it has to be that speech scene. Opening scene of the speech, and probably the ending scene. Absolutely. Yeah, it literally just shows. I mean, I think, and you can't, you can't say, okay, well, don't watch this movie. All you have to do is watch the first two minutes. Uh, and you know, the scene at fifty-five minutes into the movie, I think it was. It wasn't. I don't even think it was full hour into the movie. Then the last ten minutes. You can't say, tell someone that. Because, I mean, they would get a lot from the movie. They'd be like, okay, well, this happened. Like, he passed away. This obviously flashback to his life. Yeah, and like that, and that shows with the crates and showing the um, sled, like it's reminiscing. And like, you flashback. I'm not yeah. trying to jump on you. I agree. Like, you, you're supposed to be engulfed. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think the dialogue really holds it together. Acting. Mm-hmm. Acting. Score for acting. Seven. 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 I think... Uh, it's, it's dynamic, but it misses something. I think if we were being incredibly analytical about this, mm-hmm. do a seven five. Yeah. Seven if, five. if we Just weren't... If, which we'll obviously have to find... Adjust power. at some point. And when we when we get into real close films that we gotta differentiate. But um, I think a seven... It, because you, you watch so many films in the 40s, 50s, black and white films, and you could just... It's the same old, all right, Chip, let's go to the barbecue. And it's like the... Yeah. Like, Which, that, that cheesy... It's 1940s <laughs> film. Yeah. But I, the this one is, that sticks out with me is it's such a short scene, but it's impactful, is his mom. Yeah. His mom yeah. is so flat when she's giving up her child. Yeah. And, like, that's supposed to be, like, the turning point, if you like, the rising action. Like, it's not the climax, but it's, like, the rising action. Like, you're like, Wow. He was thrown away as a child. He should be bitter. He should be disgusted to be even like associated with the last name Kane. 
Yeah. And I think and that's I think that just does like, it justice. Like but yeah. as much as it seems flat, it might seem like, oh well, you would think this would be you think the acting would be better and there'd be a little more emotion, but I, I I feel like there's such great acting throughout the entire film that like that that's intended. It shows that it's just kinda like these are this is a poor family in Midwest, Western America, in the middle of nowhere. And it shows just how like how depressing it was and they were just kinda like, okay, they needed the money. And I think that that, that flatness really demonstrates and like proves how good the acting is throughout the film. I'm obviously that's not the only part of the film where you see the great acting like once again, speech. Thatcher Thatcher, Thatcher. is fantastic. Yeah. He's dynamic. He evokes this sense of wisdom but condescending tone before Kane becomes the superior to him as far as the fortune, which they do kind of like that jump cut. If you, I don't know if you call it a jump cut. It's kind of like a, a fading cut, if you would, where you like jump between the... Uh, I wouldn't call it parallel editing. I'd call it a, like a, a fade-in. Mm-hmm. You phase in all of a sudden, like, it's this beautiful kind of back and forth where he's like, Thatcher is clearly the alpha, and Kane is like, oh, I understand, sir. And then it flops completely yeah. when Kane gets back. But Thatcher accepts that role, and he kind of just sits back and, like, accepts that he's been seceded or he's been, like, passed over. Even, like, even seeing, I guess this would be part of the plot uh, yeah. to an extent, but well, seeing the the, the progression of Kane going from this, like, mm-hmm. little kid. This pompous little boy yeah. who's supposed to be destined for great things to this arrogant ladies' man playboy. Yeah, then to a, a I, you want to say corrupt politician, corrupt, corrupt politician. Yeah, in essence, absolutely. Like and you see how how well that acting is, like that transition, like progression over oh, yeah. the story, like which is what saves then, it for me in like the the dialogue as far as also the acting is like he. You notice that he starts to pick his words, like he's. Trained, yeah. if you would, like in that speech, he's giving these hurrahs of let's take down corruption. Like, I will be the one to take down corruption, yeah. But he never like imposed it on himself, where he's like, Yeah, I know these wealthy benefits. He's like, I am a common working man, I came from nothing. Like, he's this artificial astroturf movement instead of grassroots, yeah. yeah. So, that was acting seven. I think we matched seven. Times. I think, uh, uh, I think I might have done my math wrong. I think. I'm- is that a dialogue with a 7? Is that, that actually make my uh, score a 35 out of 50? Yeah. Which is... Still... A 70. A 70. That's a 70. I so, give it a 72, which is about right, actually. Yeah. So, uh, creativity. Creativity is the last one in our, in our scale. And uh, I gave it an 8. I gave it it's an 8. It's my highest score. I gave it an 8. It, That's fucking well-deserved. It is so evident that... Wells is a movie dude. Yeah. He knows what works. He knows what doesn't. And plots and dialect are going to be a completely different conversation because it like evolves between what you can talk about, what you can't talk about, what conventions you're dealing with, what conventions you aren't dealing with, which is why we give this creativity like the time, we give it the shots you used, we give it the technology you have access to, and that's like where we kind of even things out, if you would. Because he's shooting on 35 millimeter like... 120 
3-1 film, which is about right. the same as like what you're shooting on for Casablanca and what you're shooting on for, I want to say Bicycle Thieves was 123-1. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on it. But the shots are absurd for its time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, there, yeah. I mean, there, were, there was you, one point we, when you're watching that opening scroll, if you would, and you're like, is this just a 2018 film shot with a black and white filter? Yeah, like, I... And I know we keep going back to that opening sequence, but I... You, you can't ignore it's it. It's, like, expertly done. It's... It's incredibly well done. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't ignore that opening two minutes of just... You could watch the capturing. opening... You could I mean, watch the it, opening two and a half minutes of that film and just be, like, satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, creativity, you were, you were discussing the creativity when it comes to the videography aspect of it and the text facts and everything. Yeah, like, you're, it, using, you're using those Dutch angles to try and uh, give you this side perspective of the world and give depth to this 2D form of uh, media because, obviously, like, yeah. cameras aren't capturing the same thing on reels as they are on digital camera because of shadows and the depth. But it's evident within, within the thirds, because the rule of thirds states, like, you split your screen into three... And then yeah. if it crosses over, you're adding to the compositional stress of, like, something's wrong, if you would. Yeah. And he uses it to the point where he uses the shadows. So there's yeah. a scene in the opening. I don't think it's the butler. I think it's whatever the um, caretaker, if you would, is kind of half in the shadow and half out of the shadow. Yeah. You never see his full face. And it's because he's supposed to be like this two-faced figure that we like see one side of, but we hear about another side. Yeah. Same as Cain. Like Cain is half of his face is shown, and then you see like his lips move on Rosebud, but you never see his full shot towards the end because you don't know his true character. Which could be grasping at straws. I could be completely overanalyzing it. But um, Night no, of the I Hunter, Night of the Hunter does the same thing. That's a 1921 film. I want to say I don't remember That's the right film. It's not a silent film. It's one of the first um, talking pictures, if you would. <laughs> one of the speaking pictures. Harry is a pastor, and like he's trying to find this fortune that he heard about with this guy in prison. So he kills and takes the place of him and like moves with his family. But every shot you see of Harry is always half of his face, light and dark, because he's two faced. Okay. Which is wow. what I think not what he's like alluding to, but like it's it's clear. That he does something in that way. And his shadow play, even with the speeches, the speeches you can kind of see half of his, like it's kind of entranced. Yeah. And I, I think my my take on the creativity is more like the, just the story itself. Obviously, yeah, we're going to say, we're going to say the plot, I get the plot six, but I'm giving creativity with the story an eight is because it's an, it's an original. Like it's incredibly original. Like you, you can't take that away from the story obviously the plot and the story are two separate things yeah the story yeah. is pretty much a an out uh, not an outline but like kind of you know what I mean like the story is just kind of like it's like the notes you used to get in 8th grade science when yeah. it was like fill in the blank yeah and it was yeah. like the sun is the blank planet and you'd be like yeah. oh biggest yeah you kind of get the same like cookie cutter the sun a planet it's we're a star. in astronomy damn it's it. a star <laughs> But the point no, no, no. remains the same. <laughs> we are in an astronomy class. Rigel, Aldebaran, <laughs> Mars. Yep, constellations, all of them. Gemini. Yeah, so essentially, Cotex and Pollock. Citizen Kane is um, is, is astronomy. It is. It's it's actually astrology. 
but no. Um, so um, that actually is a very good way of putting it. Seriously speaking, uh, I, yeah, know, I know I know we were kidding about it, but it it is really like a bunch of stars around with no purpose because there's no depth to it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you got kind of fell into our lap, but yeah, the creativity of having this egocentral person. Mm-hmm. Which is clearly, it's clearly based on somebody else, and like that's the whole point of it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. There's I, a there's a theory. Who's it um allegedly based on? Who is Kane's character based on? I'm trying to. It's remember. allegedly I, based. Talk about on, this right after we finish the film. God. Um, while you while you go to that, I'm just gonna talk about the ending. Yep. So we finish in this warehouse, which is clear to be all of his belongings, and like. Essentially, all the materialistic things in his life that made him him. Like, it wasn't about the people he met. It wasn't about the love he had. It was about money. It was about these materialistic things that you can't take with you when you're gone. You, you know what I just realized? What did you realize? I kept calling him Charles William King. Do you remember what his middle name is? It's Foster. Yeah, Charles Foster King. I, I apologize. I, I I really didn't catch that use of that. Yeah, Charles I, Foster I just realized it. But, um... Charles yeah, Foster Kane. Um, but they shoot this shot, and it's clearly like reminiscent to this. You know the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark? When you're in that warehouse scene and everything's just like there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, not that that's a ripoff of it, but it's clearly, Raiders of the Lost Ark clearly is alluding to this. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, it's. But it cuts to everything, and Raymond's like over by the incinerator and like the trash can, like where they're just dumping shit. And he's like, just throw it out. Throw that junk in there too. And the sled says Rosebud. Which is clearly the only thing that ever stayed with Kane. You remember, like, everybody obviously isn't going to pick up on it at first. You remember the small sled that he, like, is riding? Yeah, he's in Colorado. Mm-hmm. He's Rosebud. But Rosebud isn't this. It's not this, like, unique proposition that he has for the world after all these knowledgeable quests. Rosebud is this thing that he is reaching for. Rosebud's the family he never had. Rosebud is this kind of insurmountable guilt that he has felt because he had nothing more than money, Thatcher, and the newspaper. Yeah. And And it's clear that he is obviously, between his love and his relationships, looking for that missing comfort his mom that ever gave him. That, that he didn't have growing yeah. up. Then Rosebud is like this thing that gets consumed by the flames in the shot the camera like pulls away. And the no trespassing sign where we opened is like the shot we get to close. And I think as much as we said there's no, like Rosebud really like has nothing to do with the film. Well, that's the most you hear about it. That's, yeah, that's that, it. Like that's your it. opening and your ending is Rosebud like and we never see it. Like there is significance. We've, I don't think we I don't think we preface that. There, there is significance. There's obviously significance, but it's not. But it's you, not. You would the, think with it being the first line of the movie, it would have more of a backstory, and you don't find out it's like Rosebud until Rosebud's in the movie. <laughs> until you see the sled. Yeah, like, until when you, you see, see the sled in the first shot, you're just like, it's like a sled. Okay, it's a sled. So everybody. Like Rosebud must have been the name of an affair he had. Like it was his nickname for a secretary. It was his uh, plan for political power. It was one of maybe his, a woman that he fell in love with. It was a woman, never, the woman that got away. But yeah. you, you get to the end, and it's like, yep, it's a sled. It's a sled. It's, yeah, it's like his that. childhood sled. So there's yeah. importance to so it. So there's significance in something. You like, never saw it was his childhood sled. 
until now. Yeah, you you kind of have to make that connection on your own, which which is which is once again creativity. Which is creativity, yes. but hurts the plot. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, think about it. if so, you would, if you would have started, if you would even had an establishing shot of Rosebud, you'd be like, oh, Rosebud's about like the sled. Like Rosebud's supposed to represent the simpler times in this life and like this childhood aura, if you would, that everything was going to be okay, everything would work out. And then Rosebud was like taken. Do you see the name of the sled? I don't believe you do. And yeah, I was if, say if, if we did, we missed it. But yeah. I'm almost sure you like because that's one thing that like that's I, why I think like if that would have been included, then the plot would have been like a seven instead of a or six. even if it wasn't super like even if it wasn't incredibly highlighted in that opening sequence of him as a child, like right. if it's just kind of hidden in there. I wonder. I'm sure it is somewhere. It might be. I just I think. That's also, just one thing you, you don't pay. You don't look for it. When you get it. a film from 1941, too, obviously the original negatives were lost in a fire in 1970, so everything's kind of running on this as like the the backups, if you would, or like the the rehash. Yeah. So there's gonna be details that you can't necessarily see and like some grain on the screen, but you can't take that away from the original score. Okay, Three so most memorable lines. What you got? Rosebud. Rosebud. Okay. I have Rosebud. Uh, I have, I'm an American fighting for American things the American way. And he's referred to as it's the fighting liberal. liberal. Yeah. I, I also have that. Yeah. I was um, going to say, everyone knows. He, I mean, that's he, he references his Uncle John at one point in like 1947, I think is like the time frame. Is, well, at the, it or, been, at the time, no, it was right before he, the Depression. Yeah, he passed yeah, away. Yeah, it would have been, so it would have been like Woodrow Wilson and Uncle uh, and, John. And they just don't really like. It's like, oh yeah, I spoke with Uncle John, just like kind of one of those things that like they don't elaborate on. They don't specify. Who that yeah, is. and he's got so, like fifteen thousand shares. He like sells because he's this power hungry guy. But like, right he's here, right here, according to Wikipedia, the most trusted, the most fact checked source of all time. Yeah, the most trusted source on the internet. Some would call it so, the Google of the world. Charles Foster King. It's a fictional character based in part upon the American newspaper magnate William Randolph Randolph Hearst. Yes, William and Randolph Chicago Hearst. tycoons Samuel so, Insull mm-hmm. and Robert McCormick. So Hearst were, actually threatened to like sue him for everything. Orson Welles. The Orson Welles. Really? Like, I will sue you for everything you have, everything you've ever had, everything you ever will have. Like he was like, I will own you. Really? Yeah. Um, okay. Wow, yeah. So there's actually overall in yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. Maybe you got some more trivia. Oh, I got one more trivia thing. Okay. It's, it it relates trivia. to that. I didn't want to yeah. add that if we didn't uh, jump to it because that's confusing people. Yes. So on the night the movie opened in San Francisco, Orson Welles found himself alone. William Randolph Hearst is in the elevator of the city's Fairmount Hotel and is aware that his father and Hearst are friends. Wells extends an invitation to the magnate. And the tenant, like, come attend the film, come be a part of the premiere, like, it's about you, clearly. Hearst turns down the offer, and he was about to exit the door, and Wells remarks that Charles Foster Kane would have accepted. Really? So, not only is that something that just kind of kicks him in the ass, Rosebud is reportedly a reference to his, his mistress. Hearst? Hearst's mistress is actually wow. yeah okay. so that's that's like that's what people are still thinking of all these years later um that's wild that is that's the thing. 
That is, yeah. Very daring. Mm -hmm. Which I think is why, like, it's kind of like a missed opportunity, if you would, to not, like, go for it. But it was clear he was suing them, and he he had these uh, other intentions, if you would, for the film. But Rosebud is actually supposed to be based on... Sorry. Um, yeah, so Rosebud is supposed to be this massive influence, Rebecca. Okay. Rebecca is also a film from the 1940s. They both use the deep focus photography that like those two came up with because yep. the videographer for Citizen Kane, if I'm not mistaken, was also the videographer for Rebecca. And the whole point of it is like they're not connected, but they're like explored to the point of views of like other people seeing them looking it in. Okay. So they, they both have these adulterous relationships. Yeah. So like Miss Danvers and Rebecca and Mary Kane and Citizen Kane are dressed in similar fashion. Like both characters also behave like coldly. Like they're these, they're the nurture that they were looking for, but they aren't there. Like they're like a blank slate. Yeah. Rebecca ends with a burning pillow with a giant R on it. Citizen Kane ends with a burning slab of rosebud on it. Wow. The parallels are Absurds. It's kind of dope. Yeah. So also, last interesting fact about the Rosebud scene, he had it done on the set. Like, they actually burned it. Yeah. And the orchestra stood behind him and played the music for it to close it. Instead of, like, imposing it in audio because it was yeah. all mono. Wow. Yeah. That's a powerful scene. Very powerful scene. And unfortunately, it's only ever referenced once. Yeah. You could have done so much more with it, but I think it's it works. It works. It works it, very well. We're not saying it doesn't work. We're not saying yeah. we're better than Orson Welles. Obviously, yeah. he won Hell he won an Oscar. Orson Welles. Like, there's he no is idea. one of the greatest directors of all time just off of his creativity and the idealism he had in his films alone. But we are also saying that, obviously, nobody's perfect. Even Tarantino has his faults or Scorsese. Yeah. Ron Guy, Howard. Guy Ritchie, maybe. Guy Ritchie. <laughs> maybe he might have his faults. So, in total recap, so we, uh, I obviously adjusted my score because I'm not really right. good with math. And right. Quick maths. Quick maths. Quick maths. Quick maths. Maybe. So, 35 out of 50, you give it a 36, 36. out of 60. That's the review. That's, no um, hidden actors, so no bonus points. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Orson Welles playing... Himself Kane, is, that's pretty yeah. dope. I mean, you even cool. want you give him a bonus point. So yeah. 37 out of 50. 36. You want to do it. 36 yeah. for him. But yeah, 30, 35 out of 50. That's, that's our first uh, film that we're going to have. That's that number, number 96 on yep. the top 100 list. 96. So obviously, we're going to have to watch Full Metal Jacket, 1917, Bicycle Thieves, and. Uh, is that the hunter. The that is the hunter. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. He. Good. He. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. So, in typical reeling and dealing fashion, we have our own film analyst, expert, connoisseur, entrepreneur, you name it, he is the newer of it all, Professor Perry. Professor Perry, would you care to give us your one word review? Crowdspot. All right, to wrap up this episode of the podcast, Joe is going to give me 10 obscure movies, random, not really anything like behind them. There's, there's absolutely no order. Yeah, no order, no no real like consistency in the genres either. And I'm going to give like a short, uh, short like 
review and response of what I think about them. I would I would call it a one word synopsis, honestly. Yeah. So, uh, pretty much springboarding off of uh, Professor Perry, but uh, yeah, we're gonna get into it. Then mm-hmm. we're gonna wrap this up. Yeah. So, in our fashion of everyone doing, we do this quite frequently. This is the first time this has come to light for anybody else. Our our go to is always Whiplash. Oh, I need to say it. Yeah. Like it's it's just it's great. Like it's yes. no matter no you can't you have nothing bad to say about it, even if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I can't. So I'm gonna get into it. You gotta just go with me on this. There's absolutely like no consistency. Super troopers. I've never seen it. Really? Yeah, I know. Add, add that to the list. Aquaman. Shit. Spider Man two. Which one? The amazing Spider Man two. Like Andrew Garfield? Yeah. Trash. <laughs> Birdman. Uh, Michael Keaton and Ed Norton. Uh, yeah. Haven't seen that either. Great film. Field of Dreams. Really? Yeah. Yep, I know, I know. End of Watch. Sick as fuck. Yeah, what a, what a great concept. Jake Gyllenhaal really nails that. I'm going to curse a lot. I'm sorry, guys. Fast Five. Like Fast and the Furious Five. I'm going to see Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Boondock Saints. Incredible. One of the flawless of all time. Pitch Perfect 3? No. Why would I sit through that? <laughs> Sicario. Uh, uh, I Speechless. <laughs> speechless. Doctor Sleep. I believe it was the sequel to The Shining. I believe it came out in 2018. I still have not gotten a chance to see it. I recently read the book. You read the book? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um... I never read it. I read The Shining. The Shining's my favorite book. Shining's fantastic, fantastically written. It kind of plays off of The Shining too much, if that makes sense. Like, it kind of leans too heavily on it, in my opinion. Like, if you're going to be the, the after effect, like, don't. I mean, it has to, though. It's, I, the Shining. This, yeah, this isn't a book review. Yeah, but I... I if you are looking for a book that I have reviewed, Gucci Mane's Autobiography... I actually cannot recommend it enough. It's well written. So is Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. We are well rounded. Any Stephen King book. His book on writing. That's a book that he wrote about writing. And um, yeah. also his novel Misery, The Shining, uh, his short stories. Great. Read anything by Stephen King. The man physically does not miss. He can't. You ever heard of that Edgar Allan Poe guy? Yeah. He, uh, Shut up Poe's Tavern. He did that uh, one thing. The, the, the with that, with that bird yeah, dude, the bird, the bird thing. Yeah, he also did that one with like the waves by the castle dude. Yeah, that yeah. Poe guy is. That Poe guy don't miss either. He's got some good burgers. Shout out to Post Tavern, Rice Beach, the uh, hometown. Yep. Shout out the the unofficial crib of but the podcast. We are going to uh, wrap this up. If you listen to this, thank you. If you did, then you wouldn't be here right now. Make sure to give us a follow on the platforms that don't exist. Yeah, and it's always, coming soon. Coming soon. Coming soon. And as always, watch some movies. Get off your ass. Make sure you reel some. You deal some. Yeah, yeah. Jay. You shout out the Nielsons and their TV ratings. Yeah, yeah. Just reel and deal. You know. And watch Terminator Two: Judgment Day. The greatest movie of all time. The it's it's not even close. Thank you, and good night. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good evening. And if good I night. See you. Good night. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I'm Tony Gonzalez, University of California.